This episode is sponsored by Tumbleweed Textiles. Tumbleweed Textiles t-shirts, hats, tanks, sweatshirts, collared shirts, plus houseware items, and so much more are authentically Texan. Their unique designs are hand-drawn and inspired by Texas music, history, food, and fun. Find the latest from Tumbleweed Textiles online at shoptwt.com, or better yet, visit the Tumbleweed Textiles flagship store in the heart of the Rail District on Main Street in Frisco, Texas. Welcome to Hustle and Pro, talking sports from youth to pro. We're here at Visual Learning Solutions in Frisco, Texas. I'm your host, Kelly Walker. Today, our guest is a two-time national champion Nebraska Cornhusker and now a Frisco football coach, Tony Ortiz. Welcome, Hi. Tony. Hey, Kelly. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. It's fun having you in studio. Absolutely. I needed a football episode, and so I'm so excited that I you're love here. It. Uh, so, um, like I said, we're going to talk football today, and so um, I want to read a little bit of an intro about you just so that everybody in our listening and viewing audience knows, uh, knows your background. So as we talk to you, they'll understand. So, all right, I mentioned two-time national champion Nebraska Cornhusker. That's a mouthful. Uh, former professional athlete, current FFL, Frisco Football League, tackle director, and owner-operator of Linebacker University, a.k.a. LBU2015.com. I'll link to that in the show notes also. Um, so, so that's kind of a recap of everything. So we'll kind of get through that progression as we go. Let's go back a step and sort of start off with you, like, kids sports, youth athlete. What was that like for you? Well, growing up in New York City, there's always a lot of outdoor activities to do. So I grew up in the inner city where we played a lot of stickball, a lot of kickball, a lot of football, a lot of baseball. Uh-huh. Uh, being of Latin descent, we had the opportunity to play a lot of baseball. Yeah. So I grew up playing a lot of baseball, uh, but around the neighborhood kids, a lot of stickball, baseball, and a little bit of uh, air hockey kind of deal. Uh, we're on, we call that on skates or on sneakers Okay. Uh, in the street, but other than street, street sports, hockey. that's about yeah. it. Yeah, street hockey, things cool. like that. So. And then into middle school and high school, was it? Mostly football, or did you still play lots of different things? High school, I didn't really play until, <clears throat> excuse me, about 16 years old. So up till that time, it was more track and field, uh, and it was a little bit of basketball. So you didn't play organized football until, until I was 16, 16, which was my junior year. Okay, this fascinates me when you talk about athletes, football players who've mm-hmm. gone to really high levels to go backwards and realize that it's not always about playing when you're five or, you right. know. Um, so that's, that's so interesting that you, you obviously had the athleticism to be able to pick up the sport, um, but you weren't playing until you were 16. So were you already grown and big and strong and ready by then? Yeah. So interesting uh, story there. My father, when I was 14 years old, I went out for the varsity team and I made the varsity team at 14. So as a 14 year old, I was on the varsity team, the JV team and the freshman team. I was playing Three games a week. That's wild. And my father said, yeah, we're going to pull you back. He wouldn't let your kids do that. I I wouldn't let my kids do that today. (laughs) So my father didn't let me do that. So he pulled me back and said, we're going to hang tight for a while. Okay. Let you grow a little bit. So at 16, I was six feet. I was pretty fast. I I was able to run track and field still for the two years that it was dormant with football. And then I hit the field at 16 and then it just took off from there. Wow. But yeah, there was a lot of contact at such a young age. I was a starter. Uh, right away at freshman for the JV and the freshman teams and the varsity teams. It was a lot of football, so my father pulled me back off that. So this might be a loaded question, Um, and I know you deal with youth football, 
But I'm curious as a parent, do you think kids, like where we are here in this part of Texas, can kids do that now? Or do you have to really like get competitive at football a little younger to keep keep up? Yeah, I, I think when I was growing up, there was an opportunity to play at a younger age. I just didn't have that opportunity. Maybe I was a weight limit. Maybe there was finance involved in that. Uh-huh. So I didn't get too much of an opportunity to play, but it was around. I think today, in this area especially, yeah. kids are looking for an opportunity to get ahead. And so they really looking to, they're really looking to train early mm-hmm. and looking to get involved in sports at an early age. Five, six, seven years old is what I've seen. Yeah. These kids get involved in super early. Yes. Um, there's a benefit to it. And I, I think that the drawback to it is if you stay with the same sport all year round. Yeah. I like to mix it up. I like to have kids train on different things. Me so too. Different I, body parts, different muscles, absolutely. different skills. And it doesn't burn you out. And boredom. Yeah. And boredom. Yeah. You know, for me and for them. Right. Yeah. So it, it being involved with these kids, I really like to see them do multiple things. So. And I think co- coaches will say that up until a point, right? Now, you know, varsity mm-hmm. coaches aren't saying, oh, we want multi-sport kids, but they want kids that have played multiple sports coming up to them because right. they have different um, specialty, you know, different techniques and I don't know, all the different things that come with being yeah. a multi-sport athlete. So it's like you need it up until a certain point and then it's time to focus. So when you hit 16 and started playing football, was it then all things football? No, I was still involved in anything I could get my hands on. Okay. I was still involved in track. I did a little baseball. I did basketball. So everybody that I played sports with, everybody that was involved in my community and my neighborhood, we all played multiple sports. Yeah, good. That's kind of how in my day it was like that too. Yeah. It's, I mean, as long as you were good enough, you had to be good enough, I guess. Right. But um it was encouraged. It was just more normal to just yeah, play all the, the time, and yeah. it wasn't as it wasn't hard. A, it wasn't the guy pitching and playing baseball. We didn't have the indoor facilities to play all year yeah. round that you see today. Yeah, it was a natural break in season, Correct. and that natural break led to the next sport, and everybody just sort of understood, like, you're going to go play that sport, and it right. just was easier. Um, and kids were playing outside, non-leagues. They weren't playing anything formalized. They were just getting together in neighborhoods, right. playing games outside, and those things took all year round. Yeah, so the big difference. Sandlot ball, Sandlot, and, Sandlot ball. Right. Okay, so high school, uh, fast forward to then, we talked about Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So obviously you playing in high school, you were obviously very good as you get, did you get recruited by Nebraska? Is this a goal that you were trying to get to Nebraska? So tell me about your path to Nebraska and what, what that experience was Sure. Like. Uh, well, I was lucky enough to have some decent speed. I had uh, pretty world-class speed for a track athlete, and that attracted a lot of colleges when they saw that I could run the ball. And so I went to a Penn State camp. I ran a 4-3, which is fairly fast at that time. It's pretty common today with all these athletes, but fairly fast at that time. Uh, And then from there, it just took off. Uh, Every school in the country was recruiting me. And so I did have the opportunity to visit Nebraska, among other schools like Clemson, Michigan, Penn State. And I made the decision to go to Nebraska after that. At the time, they were in the running for national yeah. championships. That it was, was heyday, yeah. In the 90s. Yeah. And so I got involved in that, and it worked out pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. So um, going forward from there then, um, let's see. What was next for you? I mean, I know that you played football professionally. So what was what did that look like? And was that something sure. that like you knew all along this was a possibility for you? Or like how did that part play out? Yeah. Where would you end up? And right. There's a lot to that question, I know. Yeah. Tell me about that stuff. Absolutely. So the path wasn't always clear. I didn't have an idea that I wanted to play pro coming out of high school or anything like that. I just wanted to play football. I wasn't too much into college football coming out of high school, believe it or not, until I was getting recruited. 
I just followed pro professional football just as a fan. Yeah. It's a Giants fan growing up, living now oh, in Dallas. Oh, a Giants fan, I'm so you say. I'm sorry. <laughs> a huge Giants fan. And so by the time college came around, the opportunity my junior senior year to get noticed and started getting some interest for some, for some NFL teams, I became a Dallas Cowboy as a free agent in the year 2000. Okay, right So I was here for a short amount of time. I went to training camp, I went to mini camp, things of that nature, and then I was released and went on for the next three years bouncing around NFL teams. So about five NFL teams within a three-year span. Uh, some NFL Europe for a couple mm -hmm. of years. I mm -hmm. uh, lived in Scotland and Amsterdam during the springtime and played there about three years. And then uh, wow. CFL and a little bit of uh, arena ball. Is CFL Canada? CFL would be Canada, Canadian okay. Football League. And arena ball where? Arena ball would be here. I did okay. uh, the, the Dallas Desperados. Oh, Dallas, here. Yeah. Here, here, Dallas. Here, here. Yes. Is that why you're still here? Like, is that what brought you back? Gosh, you did a full circle. So I did a full circle <laughs> Dallas in a 20-year time tour. span. But I, I made here my home. I met my wife here when I was a rookie here in Dallas, and I just stayed here the entire time. Okay. You met your wife here on the first stop of, in Dallas. Yes. And then... 20 years, is that what you said? Yes. Of playing and moving and all of those different... Not, not 20 no. years, living, not in, playing, living not here, playing, yeah. Playing. The, living in <laughs> Dallas, I'm not Tom Brady, but living in Dallas for sure. Okay, yeah, sorry. I'm like, 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So five the... years or so, five years or so of pursuing that dream. Okay. Then after that was done, just moving on to other things, but still living here in the last 20 years. Okay, and you guys called the Dallas area your home. Frisco yes. always or just Frisco more recently? No, Frisco more recently okay. for the past 10 years or so, but yeah. the other half of that moving between Valley Ranch and Plano and and a little bit of uh, Louisville and, and now Frisco. Yeah, so Valley Ranch. As the family grew, we kind of pushed further out, further out into more. Than yeah, Valley Ranch, the old, cowboy, the old cowboy stomping ground, right? I used right. to work out there when... The Cowboys were still out there. Um, it's so funny now. I haven't heard that in a the long Ranch time. The Ranch Club. You remember that? No. That was right in front of the old. I was just fresh out of college. No, oh, I didn't know anything. Oh, you feel old. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I just hadn't heard Valley Ranch in a while. Yeah. And, and something came up the other day about Texas Stadium mm -hmm. and my son. So also, we know each other um, through our, my youngest. Is is it your middle child? I don't know. Oh, youngest. Okay, our youngest boys yes. play soccer together. Yep. And so Jack uh, asked me, what's Texas Stadium? And I thought, oh, man. You don't know. You know, it was right by, right by my office. I was in Las Colinas. Oh, wow. And so it's just funny to have to, like, think back, man, that makes you feel old when, like, this building that used to be, like, the, you know, Cowboys home, right. not only is it not where they play, like, it's not even a blip on the map anymore. Right. You know, it's so weird to to think how much things have changed. So um, so you were you were free agent, or wait, what did you say you got here um, and immediately were, were gone from Dallas or you were here a few seasons in training camp? I was here a few months. Few months. So it wasn't few very months. long. Okay. It was just, it was mini camp and training camp and then released okay. part, of the, part of the process yep. and then picked up by another team. Yep. Happened to be New England and I kind of bounced around within New England and in Atlanta and in Tampa Bay. So I've made yep. my rounds yeah. to the NFL for a few teams for a couple of years. So I think it needs to be said, we haven't even said like your specialty, what position you play. So sure. tell me about that part. We should have said that from the <clears throat> beginning, but I do think that's um, an interesting part of your story. You know, this is probably so cheesy to you because you lived it, but like I watch Hard Knocks, right? And so, mm -hmm. like, I watch these guys in this journey, and it's it's the only way for people like me to have an inside perspective a little bit. I know it's still right. TV, but like on what on what some of these people are going through, and in sure. the numbers, and how grueling it is, sure. and just how it, it's it's fascinating. Sure. Somebody like me, so um, 
So tell us about your position and, and that stuff. Yeah, I play the linebacker position. So there's three linebacker positions, essentially, depending on the defense that you fit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played a middle linebacker and outside linebacker position. With At the time, for me, it was a very speedy position. So if you remember old, older players like a Dexter Coakley or a Dat Wynn, I was kind of in yeah. that mold of, of types of players. So when I was here, I kind of was backing up those positions. So isn't it interesting, though, that just the timing of your position mm-hmm. and the depth could could mean you staying or going? Yes. Season by season. Season by season. You know? It's it's amazing. It's amazing. And team by team, too. It's always a, right. a numbers game. It's a needs game. What are we looking for? And it just happens to work out that way sometimes. Yeah. So you're saying, was, were you using that one as an example, or were you actually backing up? I was were... actually backing him up, yeah. Okay. So that was the type of linebacker that the NFL was moving to, uh, yeah. the smaller, speedy guys, because the game yeah. was changing. Yeah. During that time, not as much as it has obviously evolved to today. I but feel like I feel like when I hear I hear that name, I feel like he was out of A and M. He's like our big Texas, he was. yeah, He's yeah, A&M. big name. Big okay, name. so yeah, so you go to New England, and so were you um, at these places to build relationships with coaching and players that you have been able to carry forward, or mm-hmm. you know, was your time too short in order in a, too short to be able to um, sure, dig no. your heels in? Yeah, great question. Some places were a little too short. Uh, some what sometimes what people were very just a cup of coffee. Yeah. And so some places were a cup of coffee. Other places were enough to establish a relationship, kind of men and, and families bond a little yeah. bit and, and meet some people and establish a relationship in the front office or some players. But I was able to walk away with some of that and some long lasting relationships. And others just, hey, it was good to good to see you and meet you at the time and we yeah. move on. Because some it's almost like uh on paper. Like right? Yes. That it's it's so fast. Yes. And we see that. Um, we were just talking about that a minute ago, how players come and go and stepping stones to different the next place or how just these puzzles of GMs making these teams work, how things can move so fast and players don't get to don't get to set their roots, even though they want to or the coaches may want them to. But right. something happens and salary caps and all these, you know, and all these things happen and poof, they're gone before they even got to enjoy the market. Business. Yeah, right? And so business always comes in the way of what you want. So it doesn't always work out that way. I always wonder what's the mindset of of that athlete when you're talking about you're married already or if you're not, how do you look at housing and like at what point do you go, okay, I'm buying a place or I'm always just looking short term, you know? I feel like that has to be a little bit of a mind game especially if you're in a committed relationship where you probably have your wife going, let's figure out what we're doing here, right? Yeah. Is that a very I, difficult piece? I've had those piece? conversations where a baby may be coming or, you know, or I'm, I'm in another country. What are we doing with housing? You know, should I consider getting an apartment here? Should I yeah. room with somebody? I don't think I should. I should get something for six months. I don't know if this place is going to be the place, if I'm going to last another year. Because you don't know. We don't know. We're yeah. not talking, having those contract conversations. Or those contracts are not guaranteed necessarily after a certain amount of time. Right. Or even you have to make the team in order for that to be fully Ooh. guaranteed. So there's a lot. There's That's a hard. lot to think. It'd be hard we, with my personality. <laughs> well, we scheduled our wedding. I remember we scheduled our wedding during the first September. And I was like, Stephanie, you know, hey, if I'm on this team, I can't be at the wedding. <laughs> I guess she was yeah. happy I was cut. We'll have to make other arrangements. <laughs> So, reschedule. Yeah, we might have yeah. to reschedule. But I remember having that conversation. Like, yeah. listen, if we're going to plan our wedding, we got to plan it around the idea of if I make this team, right, can't get married Man, week one, week it's two. Wild to think so. how 
your major life decisions are driven. You aren't driving them. They're driven by if that team can use you that day. That's right. Right? Wow. That's wild. It's so interesting, though. It's very fascinating. Okay, there's more to come when we're talking to Tony Ortiz, but we will take a quick break. Hear from a sponsor. We'll be right back, and we'll continue with Hustle & Pro. For one-on-one tutoring for every student, all ages, and all subjects, call Tutor Doctor. They even make house calls. They provide in-home or online learning for all types and all goals. And don't forget Tutor Doctor for SAT and ACT test prep. So call for your free consultation today, 972-703-9344, or go to tutordoctor.com slash Frisco. Tutor Doctor, how learning hits home. Welcome back to Hustle & Pro. We're still talking to Tony Ortiz, and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, what he's doing with football now and this part of his life. Um, so I do want to ask you, um, mentors and people that shaped your sports life and, you know, when you were smaller. Um, so who are, or even when you were in the league and playing in all the other places, you mentioned Scotland and Canada and I think there were even several other places you talked about. Um, like who were some of the people that shaped your football life? Wow. Uh, <laughs> deep question. There are definitely some people that uh, you come across so many people who have so many relationships uh, in professional sports. Uh, some people who have your best interest, other people who don't. And so I was I was lucky enough to come across a couple of people who really had my best interest at heart. One of them was uh, my agent at the time. His name was Gary Glick. Uh, Gary was a mentor to me. He saw something in me that I don't know if I necessarily saw in myself, but he definitely saw potential. And I was going through a period where I wasn't really getting, the phone really wasn't ringing and I was still training and working out. This is my time in Valley Ranch. Yeah. And we, we had a few conversations and he wanted to represent me. And he said, I want to represent guys like you guys who are everyday guys who are working, who have the talent, the ability to try to, yeah. to on, do something. On the cusp and on ready. On the cusp yeah. of something and right there. So Gary. That's exciting. Yeah. Gary yeah. gave me a chance and, and I gave Gary a chance in that as well. But he was a great mentor to me because his hustle and his grind uh, epitomized what it was uh, for me to do that for the NFL. So I really appreciated that. Yeah. From a player standpoint, uh, from a business standpoint, probably in college, mm-hmm. uh, a, a guy by the name who was my roommate, Jay Foreman. Uh, Jay Foreman played in the NFL for nine years for the Buffalo Bills. He's a son of a running back named Chuck Foreman wow. who played for the Minnesota Vikings wow. in the 70s. And so Jay and Chuck were mentors to me and uh, giving me advice on things that mm-hmm. I need to look out for and what to do and how to practice and how to take my daily approach. So those guys in life I really appreciate. That's going back all the way to Nebraska. It's going back all the way to Nebraska. I mean, that, I just can't even imagine winning back to, back-to-back national championships yes. or just, okay. Um, the exposure you get, the wild scene that that is in media. And I mean, the people that are that are wanting your, your time and attention and just yeah. as a young adult, like that has to be pretty insane for, from, for you, like from your background, then, then fast forwarding to that. Yeah. And you're like, this is like the biggest moment. You're on the biggest stage at the time, right? Yeah. You're talking about a 16 year old kid in New York city in Connecticut yeah. who, who no one's paying attention to, who's just one of a million kids who's now in the middle of what he would consider to be nowhere in a flatland in the Midwest <laughs> where everybody everybody knows who you are now. Yeah, There's no other pro sports. That's your pro team. Everybody knows who you are. Everybody says hi. Everybody loves you. Right. And it's really to this day. 
uh, 25 years later that they still know who you are and they still ask for autographs. Still, you're a legend. You're and, yeah. considered a legend yeah. in their eyes and in college sports. And it's, it's, it's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, I bet. That's amazing. So, you know, I asked you about these mentors that kind of carried um, through your football life. Does, does your football life and your sports background carry into your life as a parent and then your family's makeup? Now, I'm, I know the answer to this a little bit because sure. our mutual connection is our children's sports. But I do want to know more about that. Like, was, was it um, automatic that your kids are going to play sports and that you and Stephanie were going to continue the love of sports in your family? Yeah, I like to consider myself the head coach and Stephanie's probably the GM and the owner. Okay, <laughs> So Fair. I do report to her. Fair. Uh, but absolutely, I think that there's a team atmosphere in the house. I think everybody's involved in sports. Uh, I, I definitely tried to bleed in what I've learned uh, over time in both business and uh, sport into the household for these kids yeah. and everything that they do and everything that they touch, whether it's scholastically or athletically. Uh, I definitely want them to carry that same work ethic that uh, took for me to get where I was. So my husband and I are sports fans. We're casual athletes. We have, we laugh. We have zero expectations of our kids to get to any level of playing higher than high school. Mm -hmm. We think at this, and where we live, making your high school team is, is great. Yeah. And that's a great goal. Um, we realistically don't expect our children to be able to play after that because that is really hard to do. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that is just unimaginable to somebody like us. Somebody like you, who it, it is a mat, it is, you know, a thing because you lived it, got to play in Nebraska and then um, play professionally. How do you approach that with your kids though? How, how do you set expectations that are realistic because you were able to do it? And that sometimes can carry down for generations. You just mentioned those mentors, but that also aren't so overwhelming to your kids. Right. First and foremost, I don't, I don't exude any pressure onto them in terms of what I want them to accomplish. Okay. All I want for them to ever do is graduate and be happy. So if their sport is soccer or if their sport is football or mm -hmm. if their sport is track and field or whatever their sport is, do it because you love to do it. Yeah. Whatever happens on top of that, fantastic but don't expect to do what i did what i did maybe one in a million it may not happen to you yeah great for me it's hard to repeat hard to repeat yeah so if it happens for you if your professional means you've graduated you moved on listen i'm a third generation puerto rican from puerto rico my grandmother came here in 1911 on a boat essentially to new york city she was a seamstress raised five children one of which was my mother who did go to college my mother went to, if you remember the show Fame, the yeah. School of Music sure. and Art, she sure. went to that school and she went to Hunter College in New York, the wow. second generation to go to college. My kids will be the third. My son's looking at tech now and other schools. That's awesome. So that in and of itself for me is living the pro dream Right. for them. Anything that's, on top of that's that. That's the that legacy. Do, that's the legacy right. I want to leave behind. Anything on top of that, fantastic. Great. But otherwise, that's what I push for them. Get that done first. Whatever happens after that, fantastic and great. Yeah. But this is our goal. This is our. This I love is what that. That's what's what's important. What's yes. the, what they're there for, and what you're raising them for. Right. Not. I mean, the sport. We all love the sports, and if your kid is gets to play at the high levels, it's fantastic. But I I worry when I do no parents push so hard for that so early. It's right. one thing pushing if your kid's getting recruited. Obviously, they're getting they're getting pulled, right? Right. But if you're pushing so much, it's it worries me a little, right? So right. I I love that that take on it, right? That like 
focus on school. This is what we're here for. Right. Build this foundation. Go to college, and then you know build. That's from it. There. Yeah. My, my my father was a ninth grade dropout, and so he by trade became an electrician and made life better for his kids, but it was a harder path to get there. Yeah. So education sure. was the most important because obviously that leads to a better path, an easier path to Absolutely. get there. Absolutely, yeah. So why take the hard road, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. push. Okay, you're wearing your FFL shirt, and I mentioned that you work for FFL as, I think, tackle director? Is that what I'm a tackle director, yes. So I serve on the board. I love FFL. I was FFL coach for like five years, That's, so. but... Um, but it was our, our older child, which is a girl. So I was, a, I was on the cheer side. Um, but tell us, like, what you, how long have you been doing this with the FFL? Yeah. What do you do? Like, what does that even mean that you're the tackle director? Sure. This, I will be serving. I volunteer on the board. There's a board of many people. Okay. Uh, I volunteer as the tackle director. That's my title. Uh, as a volunteer, I'm responsible for all of the tackle teams that register with the Frisco Football League. Okay. So essentially, I am the coach's guide to everything from mentoring them, to practice plans, to location, and I help serve the board in terms of being there physically, just to manage the day-to-day -day for what the football league entails. Uh, this is year 13 for me. Oh, okay, yeah. 13 for you. So that sounds like less kids, more coaching. Coaching coaches. Yeah, coaching coaches. I don't deal with kids per se, but I, I was involved in teaching my own. Your own. My youngest. So yeah. we had our own team. Okay. We had a Husker team and then we had a oh, Hurricane of course. team, the older okay. team. Oh, we have a mutual friend in that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Who? Yeah, one of our neighbors who we play sports with, same age group. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, um, the Goldsberries. That's right. Played in Nebraska right. and I brought it up and found out, of course, y'all know each other. I yes. thought it's kind of dorky to ask, but like. <laughs> Hey, you do know each other, so Absolutely. you know the the Helping Nebraska trains their kids. The Nebraska football players find each other That's in Frisco, right. I guess. That we do. There's there's a small community for sure. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned LBU. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. So Linebacker University was established back in 2008. I was looking for something to do uh, with my spare time, so I got into training kids. Started with my own kids and a couple of their teammates. Sure. So my oldest son was getting ready for college. A couple of his teammates I was training essentially for free and spare time, just mm -hmm. come on at an annual camp. Let's do X, Y, and Z. Awesome. Then that grew. I used to, over the last 10, 11 years, that grew into training of roughly about 100 kids a week. Oh my goodness. And so it's over a big the program. summer, it's a huge program now. Yeah. I, I have involved um, everything from hurdlers to track and field kids, to football, to soccer kids, speed and agility, tackling. So it's a lot of fun. It takes up a lot of my time and I mm -hmm. really, really enjoy it. And so. That's great. Is there an age range that you look for? Or I typically you... train kids from five years old okay, uh, all the way up to 13. Okay. The 14 and up group, there's a few that are sprinkled in here and there that they're getting ready for high school, but the high school programs are so involved that you rarely get an opportunity to, to really work with those kids. So I'm surprised. I thought you were going to say the older shift of age. Yeah, no, it's actually the younger. Okay. And it's it's a surprise to me because I thought when I was going to start training kids, I would see both. So like the, the bigger kids, yeah. The bigger kids. No, I'm getting the younger kids. More and more kids now are playing sports than ever before. Yeah. Less than younger. 13 years old. Yeah. So my niche, my demographic is really 5 to 13 years old. Yeah. Is where I'm seeing most of these kids. Well, I think it's important. So uh, you being a tackle director, do you, um, you mentor the coaches of FFL, but do you also... Um, teach them like I just want to know right that someone is teaching them proper technique and yeah. when we say the word tackle how important sure. that is for these little kids because 
we're saying five years old a lot. Sure. So is that part of your job is to making sure that this isn't like fluffy tackle football? Yeah, absolutely. So a part of the mentoring process is just to make sure that their practice plans and the answer the questions that they have. We do partner with USA Heads Up Football okay, uh, as yeah. a league to make sure that they are following proper pr protocols and channels to do the right things. Okay. Um, we're open to them for anything that they need. If I need to go to a practice and teach how to do tackling yeah. at camps. Yeah. So we do all those types of things to help get involved. Yeah. Uh, but we do partner with other programs to help register these coaches, get them certified okay. to teach and to coach and to, to do those things like teach tackling. Yeah. To avoid the sloppy tackle. That's important. Yeah, I, I was going to say, wouldn't you agree that's league. crucial it's super to crucial. grow the next generation? You want these kids to come back. Yeah. You want these kids to continue in middle school. They're not getting drafted tomorrow by the NFL. <laughs> yeah. We really want them to get ready for middle school and high school. And we use the FFL as, by the way, it's the largest single sign-on in the country. Really? We service about 1,700, 1,800 kids. Wow. Including cheer. And so there's really nobody else in the country that has one individual league, rec league, mind you, that is servicing the community the way we do. So we're really proud of that number. Yeah, that's um, a huge addition, number. Yeah, I mean, it's, it isn't shouldn't be a shock when we, we, we live here in Frisco, so we know the nature right. of sports here. But that's still, it's really impressive that that is it's thousands of kids yeah, through that excited. one league. Yeah, we're excited to have that. And yeah. it's a testament to really uh, the people who volunteer, the coaches who come out, the moms who do the cheer. Yeah. And we have females that coach as well, football. Yeah. So everybody's getting involved yeah. to, to really help these kids out. So we really love it. That's great. Well, it sounds, oh, I'm guessing, is your favorite thing this this first age group, this five to 13, when you are hands-on with them, I mean, I'm assuming it's your business, LBU. Are you training each one? Yes. Okay. So yeah. LBU is like, all me. Yeah, so and like you're so, getting actual like time with these young athletes, right? Yeah, eight in the, so a, a typical Saturday or Sunday is eight in the morning to two or three in the afternoon. Yeah. And I'm with a groups of individual kids as young as five, as old as 13, as I mentioned. And we're one-on-one -on -one and we're a small group and we're working through great. everything. And I just really wanted to get involved at the granular level with these kids to really help them get, because I saw it with my own. And I use my own as an example to say, if I can get somebody fundamentally sound as early as they possibly can, mm -hmm. they're not going to be all world. They're not going to know the techniques of a pro. But if they can understand the ABCs of football right. in the very beginning, they'll be better off when they meet their next coach, when they meet their next middle school coach, their next high school coach. Yeah. So that we don't have to reverse engineer much. They're ready to go when they meet them. Yeah, I love what you said, the foundation. Yes. Because it true it truly has to be that. To be to be better when you're older, right. the, there has to be the strong foundation to fall back on knowing that stuff automatically. Right. The right way to do things. Absolutely. Yeah. And when I feel that you're ready to go and, and meet with somebody else and there's another trainer out there, there's thousands of people doing thousands of different things. Yes. And I would recommend you go with such and such. If you found yeah. a path, yeah. your niche, like you want to be a quarterback, yeah. then we'll get you with the right people, yeah. help you where you need to be. But at least let's get that foundation built first. I feel like there's quarterback coaches left and right. So There's a, there's a coach for everything. <laughs> I know. But I, I I love that I love your niche. And there, yes, there's coaches everywhere. But they don't all have the background that you do and the experiences, the lived experiences that you do at all these levels and all these different styles and coaches and systems and yeah. like the things you have, have seen really can they don't know a, a nine-year-old your coaching doesn't right. know that it's shaping that but it really does I yeah so, my yeah. my failure is their successes absolutely well um i love it so i appreciate you taking all the time with the kids in our community and teaching them all about tackle and how to be a linebacker absolutely it's, it's exciting and thank you for coming in here today i'm sure that you know you use your weekdays to kind of take a step back and so you're taking time to be here with us in you studio. would think <laughs> You would think, um, but I appreciate it. And it Absolutely. was nice to, to sit down and have a sports chat with you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 
And thank you for joining us for this episode of Hustle & Pro. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform, however you listen to podcasts. And now you can watch us on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe if that's how you find us so that you don't miss out on the next episode of Hustle & Pro. See you next time. Bye.